Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So, there was a big update in Broncos country yesterday. Update being, Captain Cringe is back. Because Russell Wilson got off the flight to London and declared himself, quote, ready to rock. End quote. For Sunday's game against the Jags. See, that's pretty cringy. Like, anytime Russ says anything now, we've been, it's kind of ingrained in us. Expect the cringe. Expect the corn. But that's not why he went viral yesterday. Again. Captain Cringe went viral again yesterday for, you guessed it, saying something very cringy. Like I said, at this point, every time this guy steps to the podium, it's like, no, Russ, no. No, Russ, no. No, Russ, no. I mean, at this point, Russ Wilson speaking words into a microphone is just as terrible of an idea as Russ Westbrook hoisting up a jumper. No, Russ, no. Right? It applies to both equally at this point. Last time we heard from Russ Wilson, he was telling us his hamstring was healing quickly because he has, quote, Wolverine blood. I, I heal quick. I don't know if it's Wolverine blood or what. but uh, <laughs> No, Russ, no. Not only is that cringy as hell, he's laughing at his own cringe, making it doubly cringy. I mean, obviously, I don't know if it's Wolverine blood or what, but uh, (laughs) well, getting better. That's not funny. Obviously, (laughs) somebody came up with that for him, or he came up with that himself, or somebody (laughs) fed it to him. Either way, he thought that sounded super cool, (laughs) only to have it boomerang into something super cringe, pretty much like everything he says and does right now. Except that was nothing compared to yesterday when he described hour by hour everything he did on that flight across the Atlantic. For me, I was on the plane the first two hours. I was, uh, first two hours, about eight, was it, eight hours flight here? I was, I was the first two hours, I was watching the film, watching all the cut-ups and everything else. And then for the next four hours, I was doing treatment on the plane. I was walking up and down the aisles. Everybody was knocked out. I was doing high knees and working on my, working on my legs and everything else, you know, making sure I'm ready to rock. Uh, so that was good. And then the last two hours, of, the last hour of that, I, I watched. Uh, I fell asleep for one hour, and I watched the film the rest. So uh, I felt, felt good to go once we got back. In other words, Captain Cringe strikes again. Imagine being stuck inside a metal tube in the sky for eight or more hours with this dude doing calisthenics. Imagine trying to get some rest, and Russ is in the aisle doing knee highs, jumping jacks, squat thrusts. Forget the frustration in the locker room. Imagine the frustration on that plane. I would almost rather deal with somebody ripping airline flatulence, which, by the way, is a felony in the sky, if you ask me. There's nothing I hate more than that. I mean, how long are the air marshals going to sit on their asses before they do something about that, the real crime. But as felonious as that is, I would still rather deal with that 
throughout the entire eight hours than even one minute of Russ's ridiculous exercises. And the only thing cringier than subjecting his teammates and coaches to that cringe is being so proud of it and making sure that the entire world knew about it. You just knew as he was working his way up and down the aisle, he was chanting, Bronco country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's Broncos ride. country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Coach Ritt, let's Broncos ride. Country, let's ride. KJ, Broncos let's ride. Country, let's ride. His teammates were like, hey, Russ, shut up, man. We're trying to sleep, dude. Yo, Russ, shut it down, dude. Shut it. Dude, you, you don't have one of those ass sandos that you pimp also. If you do, put that in your pie hole. Speaking of sandos, y'all get your ass to Ike's, all right? And you order the number 65, best sando in the history of the world. Just saying. I'm going to put that on my tombstone. When I'm dead and gone, and somebody says to me, hey, what do you want on your tombstone? Actually, before I'm dead and gone, I already know. You know that question, like, well, what do you want on your tombstone? Most people don't know. I know. I know exactly what I want on my tombstone. 65 for life. For best life. Sando ever. Hashtag Ikes. Hashtag. Turkey, avocado, red pesto, cheddar. Mm. Best Sando ever. Also, breaking news. The XR4TI got a Sando. They have their own Sando. More on that later. The XR4TI has a Sando. Ike gave them a Sando. It's incredible. I'll give it away. If I'm not mistaken, the Sando is 65A. Or 65 and a half. I'm 65. The XR4TI has their own Sando. 65 and a half. Back to Cringe Russ. Mm. I mean, seriously, four hours of exercise and rehab. Apparently, it is true. Because my dude, KJ Hamler, quote, quote tweeted, that info with the words, no BS, LOL. Listen, I'm not knocking the hustle. I'm knocking the cheese. I'm knocking the corn. I'm knocking the cringe. I appreciate that this dude is doing everything he can to get back on the field. I'm sure his teammates do. What I'm sure they don't appreciate, though, is this dude being so embarrassing all the time. Russ is like the cringe dad turning the rest of his Bronco teammates into embarrassed teenagers. You know, like, hey, hey, dad, or hey, mom, drop me off a block before school. Don't drop me off to school. Drop me off a block before. The rest of the Broncos are like, I don't even want to be a part of this family. I hate this family. Russ, dude, read a room. Read a room. A locker room, a press room, an airplane cabin, any room. Read a room, dial it back. Because right now you are steering this plane right into the ground. And you know what? If you do, it's not going to be your ass. It's going to be Coach Ritz's ass. In fact, it might be Coach Ritz's ass. That's premium. That's free. It might be Coach Ritz ass, and it might be soon, because according to an ESPN report, Nate can't hack it. His job could be on the line. That's a quote. Could be on the line. End of quote. This week against Jacksonville. And dude, how rich would that be? Wouldn't it be something if Jacksonville 
were the team to somehow let Pervin Liar off the hook. Out of dodge. Because somehow Nate Ritt and Pervin Liar belong in the same sentence. The sentence which includes worst head coach in NFL history. That's devastating. I mean, I don't really think it's going to happen, even though this guy is in way, way, way over his head. The difference is everybody hated Pervin. People like Coach Ritt. But he's equally unqualified. We're week eight right now. Even Pervin made it to week 13, and he's by far the worst NFL head coach ever. Even with all of his perving and lying and kicker kicking and team flight skipping and buddies night outing and playing losing and making everybody hate him, even with all of that, Pervin still lasted 13 games. Which is why Captain Cringe and Nate Ritt have to combine forces and find a way to win this game Sunday. That is a must-win game. There is no way these guys go all the way to London. No way Captain Cringe subjects his teammates to hours of calisthenics on a flight to London and go all the way there and lose to Jacksonville. That is, that's bigger than the Super Bowl for them. They cannot lose that game. If Nate Ritt thinks that things are bad right now, wait until he replaces Pervin Liar as the worst head coach in the history of the league. You know what? It'll never be that bad. Even if they cap this guy at halftime of this game, he's still not worse than Pervin. He'll have a shorter stint than Pervin, but he won't be worse than Pervin. Pervin will go down as the worst NFL head coach ever. And how much do you want to bet that Cringe or Russ try to get into the cockpit and hop on the radio at the start of the flight and hit everybody with, this is your Captain Cringe speaking. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's fly. Broncos country, let's get coach fired. Broncos country, let's do some sit-ups and crunches. Broncos country, I'm ready to rock. Broncos country, next stop London. Broncos country, let's ride. Give me 10 push-ups. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, give me another set. Broncos country. What's my favorite veggie? Corn. Touch your toes. Jumping jacks. Cringe. Let's ride. I'm telling you, if there was ever anybody who deserved to be first on the downgrade list, it's not me, it's Russ. I'm talking last row where the seats do not recline, right next to the bathroom, maybe even cargo, maybe even on the wing itself. I got to get out. I'm not even done, but I got to get out. Brian Dawkins is next. Better win tonight. All right, so I have used antiperspirant sticks for years, but what is amazing about Dove Men Dry Spray is that it feels light and clean on your skin, and it's also quick and easy to use, and it's great for topping up when you're on the go. Now, let me ask you this. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48, I said 48, 48 hours sweat and odor protection. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin and it is so quick and easy to use, especially when you're on the go. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains... Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect it. Win, win, win. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, 
clean feel all day. Brian Dawkins is my guest. Brian, good to have you back. How are you? <laughs> it's always good to come on with you, brother. You too, Doc. Great having you on. So a couple of things to talk about first. Given your deep connection to the Eagles and the city of Philadelphia, Brian, how jacked are you for their 6-0 start and the Eagles being the last unbeaten team in the NFL? Yeah, so it, it reminds me of the times, you know, back in 2004 when Phillies was doing their thing and we were doing our thing. And so the electricity in the city reminds me of that of that time period. It's a great time. Like, there's a lot of ball still to be played. They're good. We know this. They're good. In your mind, are they Super Bowl good? Uh, they they are potentially 7-0 and good. That's that's how I look at it. It's a whole bunch of season left to be played. See, people, they forget that when I went to Denver, we started off 7-0, and and we missed the playoffs. So it's not a guarantee just because you start off a specific way that you're going to end off the same way. So they need to continue to grow and build bringing Quinn in <laughs> absolutely, absolutely blesses them that allowed him to grow a little bit and be a little bit better on defensive line. But, like, there's too much season to, to go. Hey, Brian Dawkins joining us. You know what I was going to say, Brian? Like, it was really interesting the way you answered that. When I said, are they Super Bowl good, you said potentially they're 7-0 and good. Is that whole, like, week-to-week, be where your feet are, that whole thing, does that follow you off the field through the rest of your life? Yes. Yes, because if you look at, and this is in life, period, with, with circumstances and situations, if you look at the totality of things, it can literally overwhelm you. But if you begin to break things down in small bite-sized chews, right, you can, you can eat that bite-sized chew, but it's, you can't eat that elephant, you know, in, in, in one bite, right? So you want to take that situation, break it down into its least time and common denominator, you're talking in, in math terms. And you can conquer that. You can have confidence that you can conquer that. So for me, again, I'm not looking at 17. I'm looking at, you know, the sevens. How can they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and how I'm focused if I'm a player? We are talking to Brian Dawkins. I like that. So, Brian, you mentioned Quinn, Robert Quinn. So Howie Roseman does what Howie Roseman does, man. He takes another big swing. You knew he'd be aggressive. And when you look at Quinn, maybe the numbers aren't there this year compared to last year, but look no further than Roquan Smith's emotional reaction upon hearing about that trade yesterday when he spoke with the press. That tells you exactly what that guy meant to him and to that team. What do you make of that deal, and how much does that mean to Philadelphia's defense? Well, first of all, absolutely. When when you speak of the effect guys have on one another, um. That tells you the person that is coming to Philadelphia, not just the player, but the person that is coming to Philadelphia. And so that type of person coming to Philadelphia can easily blend in and bond with these individuals who already have a, a pretty strong culture, it seems seemingly to me. And then for me, when you bring then that talent into the, 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 that Eagles defensive line room, first of all, what happens is now competition has rose even higher. And the more competition you have in a room, healthy competition, <laughs> the better that room is going to perform. So you're going to have a better rotation as well with him. And now he doesn't have to feel like that he has to be the guy. He, you know, he wants to be the guy, but he doesn't have to. He has a, there's a whole bunch of, I'll call them, grown men along that defensive line. 
You can even say grown ass men on that defensive line. <laughs> Brian Dawkins joining us. He appears today courtesy of Novo Nordisk, which we'll get to momentarily. You know, Brian, you obviously, you, we talked about 04 briefly, but when you were in Philadelphia, you played with some really, really good secondaries. You were a part of some really good secondaries. You played with one of my favorites ever in Troy Vincent. I want to say, looking at the secondary they have right now, how impressed are you by this secondary led by big play Darius Slay? unbelievably impressed that they were able to bond as quickly as they have as a unit. That's not easy. That is not easy. And for the life of me, I still don't see how the Giants let that cat out of the building. Are you serious? How how they allowed us to get that young man on the offensive side of big play slay, right? So when you have, and then you go out and you see what I saw, and you saw an absolute chess piece in, in CJ, right, bringing him in as an absolute chess piece, being able to do deep field work, come in the box work, cover the slot work. So, again, now you have a chess piece to add to all the other talent that you have on, the, on that defensive side of the ball. And so that's why, for me, when you look at this defensive front, like you don't necessarily depend on one guy to always be the guy to make the play. So, Doc, that's when you, what you that's what you love, right? When you, when you mentioned at the very top that this reminds you of the energy in the city back in 04, you are a Philly sports icon. So, I've got to ask you about the Phillies and their unlikely run of the World Series. Are you as caught up in that run as the fans are? And then, how do you like their chances against the Astros? Absolutely, I am. Because think about it, they were basically dead in the water when you fire your coach. Like, that's there's nowhere in the world you're supposed to be able to go and put on the run and do what they've been able to do in the second half of the season after firing your head coach, right? But that's what they did, that what, what manager. But that's what they've done. And for me, that time period, for whatever reason, allowed them to bond even stronger, love each a lover a, a little bit more, care for one another, a little, a little bit more, play for one another a little bit more, and now you see them playing their best baseball at the right time. We are talking to Brian Dawkins. Brian, one thought about the Eagles really quickly. It's a quarterback-driven league now. We know this. Have you seen enough of Jalen Hurts yet to say that Philadelphia has found their next franchise quarterback? Yeah, because the question marks that were upon him last year, which were – Incredible question marks, right? Deep ball, accuracy, anticipation. Some of the things that I believe was put on him a little bit too much, thinking that he was actually a veteran last year when he was not. He was still a rookie last year. He was still a rookie in as far as numbers and games played. So the game has slowed down to him and for him. But also, he's worked on those things that were lacking last year. And he's better at doing it, better decision-making. And he's and his legs aren't going anywhere anytime soon, so he can make anybody miss him pretty much in the open field. So all of those things combined, and, and his mental toughness as a leader to go through all he's going through in his young uh, professional life and collegiate life um, and continually be a professional even at a younger age. So bringing that strong mentality and a desire to get better into a Philadelphia that asks a whole lot of their you know, uh, the players that, that come here, I believe he's in the right spot. Brian, you made such a good point. That last point you made, what's it take? You know, because you've been there and then you left. What's it take to be a high-level, high-performing, successful athlete in Philadelphia? Uh, it's, it, they don't 
honest, to be honest with you, it's, you don't. It's not a whole lot. It's not a whole lot. It's all you got. All you got. When you make a mistake, take ownership for it. Don't blame anybody else for what's going on. Um, when you not when you fall short, and then do better. Do better. Care more about the loss than they do. If you do things like that, if you love the game and, and not just what the game brings to you, but you love the competition of the thing, of the again, not blaming somebody else, but always pointing the, uh, the finger at yourself first. When you do stuff like that, yeah, they'll they'll buy in real quick. You understood understood that. You were all of those things, and that's why they loved you, and you played big. Brian, I know since watching you in retirement, you were all about physical health, mental health, taking care of yourself. You're all in in that regard, too. Today you appear courtesy of Novo Nordisk. What is that, and what are you doing with these folks? Yeah, so I'm blessed to be able to team up with Novo Nordisk and the Philadelphia Eagle on an initiative of tackling your health. And when I think of and I think of the word tackle and I uh, really think about the preparation for me in games. So as a football player, when you think of me tackling somebody, you think that it's just easy and you just go in out and do it. No, there's a preparation that goes. There's a game plan that we always have before we come to the field. So that same premise and that same mindset is how I take go take care of my health. So that means that I'm talking to my health professionals. I'm getting things done as far as understanding my past as it pertains to uh, type 2 diabetes that runs in my family, obesity that runs in my family, and the risk of cardiovascular disease that also runs in my family. All of those things are in my genes, so to speak. So I want to do things in such a way as not to have those things show up in my life. So that means, again, I have to be talk to those health professionals so that I can come up with a game plan for for me, ultimately, when it's all said and done, Jim, I want to be able to then have fun, run around, and play with my grandkids and potentially my great-grandkids. That's how I look at this. So that's, that's why I'm so passionate about talking about it and ha- asking people to go. And if you Google uh, Philadelphia Eagles um, uh, Tackle Your Health, you'll, you'll come up with the website for you to go to. There's too many hashtags and all those stuff for me to say it over there for people really to grasp. But if you just do that, It'll come up, you'll come up to the website and you'll see the importance of taking a small test, seeing where you, uh, where you align as far as your um, potential di- type 2 diabetes is concerned, but also other things and other um, ways for you to, once again, come up with that game plan that's going to have you living the best version, being the best version of yourself from a health perspective. It's the most important thing in the world. Without health, what do you have? You have nothing. He is a Hall of Famer, a Super Bowl champion, a nine-time Pro Bowl safety, member of the 2000s All-Decade team, and today did appear courtesy of Novo Nordisk. And Brian Dawkins told you exactly how to find out more information. Brian, great to have you on the show. Really appreciate you. Always have, and it's always good to talk to you, Brian. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, brother. Be blessed. So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of highlight, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I, originating in the Basque region of Spain. 
and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. Hyla is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighLightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. The guy that did actually dodge the scud and who would have been the opening segment if not for Russ Wilson's cringe is Russ Westbrick. Westbrick. All right, so he didn't play last night. Another reason why I didn't want to lead with him. It would have been unfair, right? It's not his fault. He didn't play last night. But that did not stop the rest of the brick show from laying down a fresh heap of bricks. Westbrick didn't even suit up, but LaBrick did. And so did Anthony Bricks and Pat Brickerly and Kendrick not going to make none. In the words of John in Little Rock, even though Tom thought it was not going to be that good, it was. In the words of John in Little Rock, it was another night of brickety, brick, brick, brickety, brick, brick, brickety, brick, brick. Brickety brick brick brickety brick brick That guy did that on the show recently. This time though you cannot blame Wes Brick the Builder. I took that line from John. Wes Brick the Builder. So the purple and gold Titanic is now 0 4. 0-4, meaning Le GM is now 0-4 for the first time since his rookie year, which means it's been 19 years since Le GM started a season with four straight losses. And if you couldn't tell by this point, the Lakers didn't just lose again. They once again could not, quote, throw a penny in the ocean. I don't even know if that's like a thing or a saying, but he said that. They could not throw a penny in the ocean. L.A. was 8 for 30 from beyond the arc last night in Denver. That computes to 26%. And the most amazing thing about that, I mean, that is a crappy, crappy night, shooting 26% from beyond the arc. But the most amazing thing is, as Pat Bricks points out, that actually was an improvement over what they had been doing. I think we were shooting, uh, I think we were shooting 20%. And today we shot 26%, so we got better. I mean, did he say that with a straight face? That's incredible. I mean, he was dead serious. What did we shoot tonight? 26%? Oh, all right. All right. That's progress. We were at 20. I think we were shooting, uh, I think we were shooting 20%. And today we shot 26%, so we got better. Great. But Westbrook's still at 10%. 
I mean, I would say that I appreciate the optimism, but I don't. You know why I don't? Because there is no reason for optimism right now. It's like he's bragging, and I like Pat, but it's like he's bragging that the Titanic is sinking a little bit slower than it was five minutes ago. Yeah, well, it's still going down fast. Fast. It's still cracked in half. It's still on fire. LeBron is still screaming. The ice water is still rushing in. The women and children have filled up all the life rafts still. The sharks are still circling. Everyone is still on a one-way trip to the bottom of the ocean. But I guess that's what you should expect when you build a massive, expensive, overhyped cruise liner out of bricks. What do you expect is going to happen? It's going to sink. Brickety, brick, brick, brickety, brick. Get it, John. Brickety, brick, brick. Everybody. Brickety, brick, brick. The builder has a brand new China wall. He would shoot from anywhere, but he just don't care. Gorilla balls will never fall. Incredible. West Brick, the builder, has a cute run button nose. Okay, John, thank you very much. Now you're just piling on. Now it's gratuitous. At least LaBrick is not in denial. He knows exactly what the Brick Show has to do to turn this thing around. How do you balance the sort of looking at the four losses so far at this point of the season with just everything going on, what do you think the biggest thing you guys have to do to turn it around? We're going to make some shots. Exactly. Braun is obviously right. But then again, so is John in Little Rock. Get it, John! Brickety, brick, brick, brickety, brick. West Brick the Builder. Anyway, Braun's right about that. They do have to make more shots. He was obviously wrong when he ruined the Space Jam franchise forever. He was obviously wrong when he chose West Brick over DeRozan last offseason. He was obviously wrong to think that the Brick Show had any hope at all this season. But he is right about one thing. The only way to turn this thing around is to actually navigate the rock into the hoop. The problem is the team that he built has no shooters, no lasers, nobody who can make a shot. Legiam and Rob Pustinka. Rob Pustinka. I didn't come up with that. No way would I come up with something that stupid. That was V. My dude V. Rob Pustinka. Rob Pustinka. On my worst day ever. On my worst day ever, with my worst show ever, with my worst take ever, V, I would never come up with something as lame as Rob Pastinka. Rob Pastinka. Anyway, Legiam and Rob Pastinka put together an ill-fitting, horrible shooting, hot mess. And if making shots is the only way to stop the bleeding, they're going to bleed out right in front of our eyes. The Brick Show literally could not be more of a disaster. And they should be very thankful for that in Brooklyn because the Nets barely look any more functional than the purple and gold Titanic right now. Hey, John, I don't know if you have another one in you. You probably don't because that one, that's going right to gold, my man. That's going to sell a million copies. That's going to be 
that will go right to gold. That may go platinum. But if you're looking for another disc, the Nets should be your topic. Brooklyn dropped to one and three in Milwaukee last night. They also shot 26% from the three. But that wasn't the most alarming thing that happened. The most alarming thing to me that happened was that Kyrie shouted at Ben Simmons on this floor during this play. That's out and running. Irving. Simmons didn't even look at the basket, but that's a good decision to get it to KD, who gets it to fall. Yeah, I don't know. Was it? Was that a good decision? He might have gotten away with it, but was it a good decision? Kyrie did not seem to think that was a good decision. You can actually hear Kyrie. You can hear it. Albie, one more time. If you didn't catch it, that was actually Kyrie yelling, shoot it, Ben. That's out and running. Irving. Shoot it, Ben. Well, Ben passed up a bunny to kick it to KD. Now, where have we seen that before? Where have we seen Ben get roasted for passing on an easy look at the rim? Where? And then what happened after we saw that? Oh, yeah, that's right. The time Ben passed on a wide-open dunk in the fourth quarter of Game 7 against the Hawks, and everybody yelled at him for it, and then he sat out the entire next season. That's right. Now I remember. So this dude finally comes back after all that. And four games later, he's got the part-timer screaming, Shoot it, Ben. That is incredible. I don't know, Kyrie. I don't know, Kyrie. I mean, I understand why you might feel that way, but maybe you shouldn't be the dude to be yelling, shoot it, Ben. Maybe, and and by the way, Kyrie makes it so much worse, but maybe you just chill out on that. Maybe you don't go straight for that still infected wound and rip the scab that's forming right off that still-infected wound so you can pour some salt into it and then top it off with some battery acid. Bench the battery acid. Bench the salt. Bench the bleach. Bench the salt. I mean, for a dude who claims you have such emotional intelligence, that's pretty emotionally idiotic, wouldn't you say? But then it gets even more absurd. Never mind that you've got Kyrie screaming, shoot it, Ben. When you know this guy's got issues with that. After the game, after Kyrie did this in plain view of everybody, and there's audio, we have it. Even after him doing that guy like that, he then decides to lecture everybody else on giving Ben a chance. So you guys keep coming in here asking me, like, what about Ben? What about Ben? And it's just, he hasn't played in two years. Give him, give him a chance. You know what I mean? We could stay on his Stay on. I wish I could say other words because I'm from Jersey, but we stay on him. And, uh, <laughs> like, you should stay on him. And, and we're just here to give him positive affirmations uh, while he's out there and just let him hoop, you know. And then while he's hooping and getting back into it, we're going to have to really gel as a team in order to learn how to win as a group. This dude. This dude. I mean, great point, Kyrie. You really should listen to you. 
and this is the first time that I can say that and mean it in a very long time. You really should listen to you. You should. Give Ben a chance. Did you just say that we're out here giving this guy as many positive affirmations as we can every single day? What, positive affirmations like screaming at him, shoot it, Ben! So loud that ESPN's mics are picking it up during the broadcast? You mean those kinds of positive affirmations? Shoot it, Ben! Is your version of, man, just let this bleeping dude hoop. I understand it being frustrating to play with a teammate who through four games has twice as many fouls as made field goals. That's a real stat for that guy. He has twice as many personal fouls as he does made field goals. That's real. For real. For real. Ben has 18 fouls and nine buckets. Like the worst ratio ever. For a skill guy. But then again, I'm not the one soapboxing about positive affirmations and giving the dude a bleeping chance. Like, get off this guy when you're the one saying, shoot it, Ben. That's fine. I'm even fine with you saying, shoot it, Ben. But don't lecture us about how we're doing this guy all wrong and not treating him well. Leave it to Kyspiracy Irving. To show up his most fragile teammate in a nationally televised game and then talk down to everybody after the game for, well, showing up the fragile teammate, asking about the fragile teammate. I'll give him one more thing. Shoot it, Ben is at least more positive and more affirming than no, Russ, no. I got to get out again. I'm up against it again, right when I'm feeling it. Kyrie, man, this dude is something else. Right when you think he can't out-Kyrie himself. Clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky, shriveled, dry, and tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and it's tasty. It's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein, and it comes in four amazing flavors that satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Shane Beamer is my guest. Shane, great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Really appreciate you having me on. Shane, it's great to have you on. So I know you're looking ahead to Saturday in Missouri, but I'd love for you to go back, if you don't mind, to last Saturday, South Carolina beats Texas A&M for the first time in the history of the program. How gratifying was that win, and how electric was it at williams Bryce Stadium? Yeah, it was very gratifying. Uh, really happy for our fans to finally knock off Texas A&M and been a 
you know, ever since they've been in the SEC, we, like you said, we hadn't been able to uh, to win that game. So really happy for our fans, really happy for, you know, our, our uh, players on the team, particularly the older guys that, you know, had been in that rivalry of that game for a while now. And it was super electric. They, uh, they made a difference. Texas A&M had, I think it was seven or eight false start penalties that was directly because of the crowd noise that our crowd created. So it was a really, really electric environment in there, a true home field advantage, and, and uh, need to do it again this weekend. South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer, my guest. So you've got a four-game winning streak right now. That winning streak started after a loss to Georgia. In the post-game pressers, Shane, after that loss, you were asked to, or you were asked, quote, if you sensed any quit, end of quote, in your team. Your response was emphatic, hell no. How pleased are you with the way your team has responded over the past month to that loss? Very. Uh, not surprised, knowing the kind of players and people we have on this team and and uh, uh, really proud of them with the way they just went right back to work. And, and that's what I love about this group is they – they work really hard. They uh, they don't get too high. They don't get too low. We certainly did not play well against Georgia that day and, and give Georgia a lot of credit for that. But uh, I knew and our team knew that we weren't as bad as we looked that Saturday when you, when, you, uh, when you really look at it. And they came back in the next day and the next week, and it was just get right back to work and see how much better we can get. So we've got a lot of competitive guys uh, on this football team, and we've got a lot of work to do. By no means have, have we arrived uh, but uh, really, really proud of their work ethic and proud of their you know, resiliency since that Georgia game early in the season when we started one and two. Hey, Shane, I'm curious. Like, you grew up in it. You've been a part of some big-time, big-time programs, big-time, big-time games. I mean, you've been in this thing a long time. You've always been in this thing. I'm curious, though, like, welcome to life as a head coach in the SEC. You lose to the defending national champs, and the first thing you hear, you're asked is, did your guys quit? I mean, what did you, what did you make of that? Did you take any offense to that? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it was one of those when you play like we did against that day, you open yourself up to criticism and, and, uh, and questions, but you know, you can, uh, I think as a head coach, you realize that, but you know, you can say a lot of things about our football team. You can say a lot of things about me, but I don't think, and I would hope that, you know, no one could ever question the effort that our guys play with. And, and we've certainly had some ugly moments. That Georgia game was one of them, and even games last year. But the one thing about our our, our group of guys, they, they never stopped, uh, have never stopped competing. And uh, we do have a bunch of fighters, which is what I said in that press conference as well. So it's part of it. You know, you open yourself up. i got to be better in post-game press conferences for sure. And I wear my emotions on my sleeve, but um, you know we may not always play well. But the, the fight and the efforts, uh, I don't think has ever been in question. I thought your response was great. I don't think you need to improve on that at all. I think that that's just one of those things. That, I'm not trying to belabor this point, Shane. It just seems to me, having done this as long as I have, and you've been in this thing a long time too, it's like the worst thing that you could say about somebody, right? Like everybody gets beat. We understand this, but. You're taught from day one, whatever you do, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And you made that very clear. We did not. It just wasn't our day. Listen, I, I've never seen a situation whereby – actually, let me pivot to something else. You're in a situation right now where you're in the top 25. You've got a lot of work ahead. You've got bigger goals. I understand that. But is there any degree of validation? Is there any sense of, hey, the word is out. they got a plan in Columbia, and they're working their plan. Do you feel that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you see, you sense it uh, perception-wise uh, across the country. You sense it from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, with, I mean, I, 
I uh, my, my phone obviously was blowing up with from texts and phone calls from recruits after the game on Saturday. I mean, I got home about two o'clock in the morning. There was a great recruit that called me at two a.m. He was so excited about the game and wanted to talk about it. So uh, certainly, and, and you're right, we have a lot of work to do. Uh, nobody is satisfied with with just being 25th in the country, but there is some validation in the sense that you know t- less than two years ago this was a two-win team that. Uh, the top 25 was the furthest thing from anybody's minds in less than two years. Uh, here we are. We're, uh, we've done a lot of firsts this season. We're ranked for the first time in, in a while around here. And uh, it is validation that what we're doing is we're on the right track. But to me, it's even more validation that we've got some really great people in this program, players, coaches, staff. And we're on the right track. We have a lot of work to do. And uh, but but certainly pleased with the progress we've made to this point. Yes, sir. Shane Beamer joining us. Of course, you were at Oklahoma, and then you come to Columbia, so you know your quarterback Spencer Rattler real well. He transfers. What has he brought to your program on and off the field this year? He's uh, one brought great confidence to our team, to our to our offense. You know, just the fact that Spencer's played a lot of football. He's he's won a conference championship at, at Oklahoma. He's dealt with adversity before at Oklahoma, not just last year when he got benched, but even in 2020 uh, when he started out 1-2 and two as the starting quarterback and then responded by not losing a game the rest of the season and, and winning the Big 12 championship back in 2020. So that calming confidence that he has has certainly uh, resonated with our football team. He's a great young man. He's been a great leader for our team and just a really really good guy he's uh he works really hard and and i don't know what perception of him is necessarily but i know this he works really really hard he grinds to be a good quarterback he grinds to to work at what he's not as good at as he wants to be right now he grinds to mentally be where he needs to be and and get better so uh he's the kind of guy you want leading your program Shane Beamer is joining us. South Carolina top 25 right now. They've got a game against Missouri on Saturday. You know, Shane, virtually every conversation like this, obviously, is going to have a question about your father, Frank. But the fact of the matter is, Shane, I used to have conversations like this with Frank on this show all the time back in the day. He was always accessible. He was always first class. I always appreciated him and that about him. So you need to know that and how much I appreciate him. It's great to see him at your South Carolina games. What was it like to share that win, for instance, over Texas A&M with your father? It was awesome. Uh, and I really appreciate you saying that. That means a lot, uh, especially coming from from you. And, and you're exactly right. And that's one thing that... It, you know, I hope I uh, took from my dad is is with all the success that he had as a coach in his time at Virginia Tech, he never got too big or changed or, or changed who he was or started treating people differently. He was the same guy from, you know, the same when he won two games in 1992 to the end of his career. He always treated people the same and always had appreciate appreciation and uh, and stayed very grounded. Uh, it was awesome being able to share it with him and, and my mom both. They still live in Blacksburg, which is four hours from here, so they're here for every home game and, and very involved. And uh, He being a special teams guy last week was his birthday, so it was pretty cool to be able to celebrate his birthday and then and give him a good present by not just winning but returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown too. Man, that is the truth. That is incredible, actually. That is really amazing. He And to echo your point, he did. He would show, and I can't say how many times I had him on the show, he showed up the exact same way 
every single time. It didn't matter where they were ranked. It didn't matter how the team was playing, playing great, not playing to his liking or his expectation. You're right. He was so consistent and always showed up the same way. So finally, you've got Missouri coming in Saturday. I'm curious. Obviously, they're going to present some challenges. What was your week of practice like coming off such an enormous win? And then what are your concerns about Missouri? Yeah, uh, you know, it's been a good week. We, uh, you know, I, I told our team that we're going to find out a lot about our maturity this week and, and how we handle success. You know, we beat Kentucky, which was a huge win for us, but we had an off week in between that and A&M to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, and now the challenge is we've, we've uh, had a huge win over Texas A&M. We're ranked. There's a lot of positive energy and noise out there about us, and, and rightfully so, but uh, we we aren't satisfied, and we've got great leadership on this team. and And I've been pleased with the work ethic that we've had this week, and 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 uh, staying grounded for sure. And we're going to need to. I mean, this is a talented Missouri team that they've lost three games in the SEC this season: one by seven points to uh, to to Florida, one by four points to Georgia, and one by three points to Auburn. So they've been in every single game, and they're literally a play away or a possession away from from winning the football game. And they're really disruptive on defense. They got super talented, highly recruited receivers, and uh, we know we'll, we know that uh, we'll get their best shot here in Columbia on Saturday afternoon. So it's a big challenge for us. And, and, uh, and you know, the concern for me is just their talent and, and then just how disruptive they are on defense. They're I was going to say. Two defense, number two defense in the SEC on, on third down right now. Sorry to jump in, Shane. Excuse me. I was going to say defensively especially. I'm really impressed with the way they fly around, the way they play defensive yeah. or defensive football. So I know they've got your attention, but everybody will in conference. South Carolina, great, great story. They're top 25. They're coming off their first ever win over Texas A&M. Another great opportunity and challenge on Saturday. Their head coach is Shane Beamer. Shane, thank you so much. Great to have you on the show. And what a great conversation that was. Really appreciate that. Absolutely. Awesome time. And thanks for having me on and appreciate all the great work you do. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. I know you know about it because the second I got mine and I started talking about it, people were rushing up on me like they knew they wanted to talk about it. It's because the egg is the most versatile grill you're ever going to own. I'm telling you, you can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. Yes, try a pizza on the egg. It will amaze you. It works. It's incredible. So stop wasting money on grills that you have to replace every few years. We've all been there. We've done that. It gets old. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs, too. Listen to me. Roll. With an authentic big green egg, it is a ceramic marvel. It's backed by a lifetime warranty. That's right, a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light. It is easy to use. It works without a power source. You don't have to plug anything in. So with the playoffs and the holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. How cool is that? And it makes a great gift. And they've got two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered right to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. That's right. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com. Have it delivered to your house for free. That's how I did it. It was an awesome experience. That's BigGreenEgg.com. And yes, you will thank me later. We changed up and I went with the phone calls first. And I said that this is going to be an A or an F. And it was an A. It worked. It worked great. And I said I'd be willing to run it back if I thought you could do it again. I'm looking at my call screen. Not only am I not willing to run it back, 
These calls, and if you're on hold, don't take this the wrong way, but these calls look so horrible that not only why not run it back, I may not take a phone call. Unless I get better phone calls in the middle of this segment, we're going to go from running the calls up first to not taking a single call the next week. This is how unreliable the callers are during the beef segment. I never have anything to worry about with social or email. I'm just here to tell you, if you want your call on the air, you better call with something good right now or there will be no calls on the air, which is fine. I can run this thing out 15, 20 minutes on social alone. What I'm saying to you is I am not impressed at all with what I'm seeing on the call screen. Call 1-800-636-8686. All right, so who's going to set the tone? Patrick in Alabama. Bama. Batting leadoff. Jimmy Jam. My beef is with guys who wear sneakers with their suits. You all look like 10-year-olds whose mom dressed them, but let them pick out their own shoes, step your game up, put some dress shoes on, and stop looking like Tom Hanks from Big. Step your game up. Patrick in Alabama, you're not going to suck me into that. You know where I come out on that. Style is style. You know, it all depends on your personal style. I don't have an issue with that. I don't do that. But I don't have an issue with those who do. But I feel you, Patrick. Hey, Rome. Here's my beef. We had our new neighbor over for dinner last night, and it turns out she's essential oils lady. The fumes wafting off of this hippie made my eyes water, and I immediately got a freaking migraine. Late in the dinner, she noticed me massaging the side of my head and had the audacity to offer me lavender oil to rub on my forehead. No kook. I don't want your snake oil. I want you to finish your salmon and GTFO out of my house so I can open my windows and air this place out. Chad in Orlando. Normally, I would argue, get to your beef, keep moving. I'm okay with that long-form beef. That was good. Sorry about that, Chad. That sucks. This one says, my beef is with my ex-wife. We have been divorced for 10 years, and I can't let go of the fact that she pours the milk in the bowl before the cereal. I told her countless times why this is a dumb thing to do, i.e., the milk always spills out of the bowl. You always pour too much milk for the cereal, etc., etc. It may have been a contributing factor in our breakup. I thought that I'd come to terms with this witchcraft until my youngest son came over the other day and did the same damn thing. Now I have to readjust my meds again. Regards, Aaron in Freetown. My man, that is so good. That's a great line. Now I have to readjust my meds again. Let's see here. Ted in Albany, Rome. My beef is with these losers who ordered dog food off the internet to be delivered to their front doors. Get your ass off. Get off your ass and go to the pet store, you lazy bags. I don't know, dude. Like, if people order food for themselves off the internet, is it any different for them to order food for their dogs off the internet? If people order anything online, is that any different than ordering dog food online? It's because you don't want to go for the same reason, right? I don't know. I, I, it's kind of a reach, Ted. I, pre- I appreciate you, dude. Like, do you own 
a Petco? Is that what that is? Do you own a pet store? Do you own a local pet store? Is that what that is? If that's what that is, I hear you. At Archdog 208, quote, my beef is with people who park in front of the grocery store doors like it's their personal loading zone. Hey, jerk. I don't know if you noticed, but there are 50 billion parking spots in that thing called a parking lot. Like, what are you doing here? W. Williamson 209 tweets, My beef is with the guy who shakes my hand while eating. But before, before he shakes, he licks each finger to clean it off. I don't want your hot breath and saliva on my hand. Use a napkin, you bum. It is kind of gross, if it's true. At Patria 1818, my beef. Losers who dress up their pets for Halloween. Mostly dog owners. Cats wouldn't tolerate it for a minute. War Romy's Halloween is for kids rant. I don't know. How about a beef with anybody who dresses up any animal? And I'm an animal guy. I've never thrown any piece or article of clothing on any animal we've ever had. Yeah, Rome, what about, what about a saddle for your horse? Yeah, they don't ride thoroughbreds bareback in races. No, that, I don't know. What about their horseshoes? Yeah, I don't do that either. They don't run barefoot, though. Do you go to work barefooted? No, neither do the horses. Rome Skillet. I have a beef with you and flight deck. I am in a pool at work in which I need five NFL winners against the spread, but the picks are due by noon on Thursdays. So your podcast does me no good. Could you please text me your picks Thursday a.m.? Much appreciated. Pete and Phoenix, my man, Pete. I'll get right on that, bro. Ham. I will get right on that. Well played. Rome. My beef is with Muffler Guy, the moron who tries to make his crappy roller skate sound like a Lambo or McLaren. It's already unacceptable when some rich bag or the bag son of that rich bag does that whole zero to 80 to zero thing on a city block in an actual Lambo or McLaren. But Muffler Guy, dude. You drive a 98 Honda Civic. Just go away. Tom in Virginia. I feel you, Tom. I I totally see you working. I got a beef along those lines with my kid, Rogues. Rogues is constantly pointing out cars that are faster than mine. I'm like, stop, dude. Logan Logan likes to argue kid. He'll argue with anything and mostly really dumb stuff. You would not believe the arguments I come home to between he and his mom. I'm like, the two of you. Like, Logan just will argue to argue. I'm like, dude, if you had that kind of passion for anything that mattered, you'd be like the greatest attorney ever. Stop arguing with me. Stop fighting with me about how your boy's souped-up Toyota can beat my car. He can't. He can't. He can't. I don't care what he's done to his Toyota, Logs. He cannot. And I'm not that guy even. I'm not that guy like, let's get my rig out and I'm going to show you because I have to compensate for something else. I'm not that guy. 
Believe me, I'm not that guy. I just know what my car payment is. I am that guy. And I know what I have under the hood. So I don't care what your boy did to his Toyota, Rogues. He does not have a faster rig than your old man. That pisses me off. That's a legitimate beef. I can't tell you how many times. And here's another argument they love. Hey, yo, dad, get a Tesla. Get a Tesla. So much faster than your rig. I'm like, stop. Stop. You know how quick? You know how quick? Zero to 60 in one second. Stop it. Both of you, stop it. All right? I know. Car guys know. Car guys know. You go to any car guy, they respect what I have under my hood. What do you got, Rome? I'm not even going to get into that. I'm just saying my beef is with my own kid telling me that his boy's souped-up Toyota would embarrass me and make me feel small. Man, stop with that, Logs. Oh, but congratulations on getting Colorado State. That just in. Yo, what are you going to tell me next? That Colorado State's better than UC Santa Barbara? Stop it. Yeah, man, the family beef is strong today, isn't it? Let's see here. Luckily, his mother's not listening, or I'd be getting texts right now. Hey, Jim, my beef is with the old hag from last week who is mad at me for my golf cart speaker. Maybe if you didn't suck at golf and play five-hour rounds, I wouldn't need to occupy my time with music. Unwar old lady golf hags. Keith in Milwaukee. I don't know, dude. I don't think that's just an old lady golf hag thing. Your golf cart boombox, I think, is annoying more people than just her. But I feel you. I appreciate the response. Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Jim Rome. My beef is with sign twirling guy. All right, I already like where we're going with this. My beef is with sign twirling guy. In a world of technology and marketing analytics, how businesses choose this clown as the best option to promote their business makes 0.0 sense. Hey, dingus, put down your Mountain Dew, get some real headphones, and stop acting like you're cool because you're only one step from highway begging. Chef from PDX. I like it, except for the bum smack. Trader Brent, quote, my beef is with the good intention dude who wants to have four handshakes in a three-minute conversation. That's true, man. Alvi and I used to work with a dude that we saw this dude every single day at work. Handshake, handshake, every day. Could you imagine having a coworker that you knew you were going to see every day who shook your hand every day and looked you in the eye and you went through that whole thing every day? Avi, do you remember who I'm talking about? Yes. Avi, how do you not remember? I'll, I'll, I'll dial you in later. I don't know that guy. No, but, I mean, it was, it was like a ritual for this guy. I knew. I'd, I was constantly looking around my office because I knew that we were going to shake it out every single day. Rome, the next person who drives next to me with a nuclear-powered subwoofer and playing the world's crappiest music is going to have a beef with me after they get released from the hospital. Mike and Snowbird. Mike, I've noticed a trend. 
trend is you're pissed and getting more and more angry, dude. I don't remember you being that angry back in the day, Mike. Hi, Rome. I live in Northeast Wisco. My beef is with people around here who drive around with stickers in their back window that says salt life. The closest thing that Wisconsin natives have to salt life is when they pour salt in their old style during their weekly fish fry to get ahead on their beer. Get rid of the salt life stickers, you losers. Bench the salt. Rick, that's interesting. I don't know, my man. I, I'm in the Northwoods. I haven't really seen that salt life thing. It's got to be kind of a Southeast thing, though, right? It's an ocean thing, right? The salt life. Hey, Jim, I got a beef with the women who think that the Gucci-fied perfume that smells like pest control chemicals is somehow attractive. Who are you trying to attract? Men or cockroaches? Chuck in Huntsville. That's interesting. Get back to a family beef. I got a beef with my teenage sons. Man, do they hit the cologne hard. Hard, like axe. If they're a sponsor, sorry about that. I I don't know. I'm just... I never did that. Excuse me, my bad. Uh, I just insulted a sponsor. That was really poorly played. My bad. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, Wardrakar. My bad. Excuse me. Shout out to Cool Water. Excuse me. My bad. Y'all smell great. JPR. (laughs) JPR. JPR. I got a beef. When my pops rattles off some random uninteresting factoid then reaches for his phone and voice commands Google to search for whatever he just said. Hey, Pops, nobody was trying to disprove you. We just don't care. Not to mention, if we were hungry for that nugget, we also have one of them there know-it-all Google things in our pocket. Nobody is impressed and everyone is annoyed. Well done, Jeff C and NC. I like that. That's good. What up, Romy? My beef is with, holy bleep, you got to see this video. Guy at the office who insists that I have to see some stupid internet video, he absolutely thinks is the best thing he has ever seen. I mean, you oversell and overhype it so much, you make the rainbow guy sound like Belichick. Put the phone down and do some work, idiot. Jake, NVA, war email using middle-aged clones. We may not ever tweet the show, but at least we don't fax stuff into the show anymore. Jake, I hate to do it, but I got to call out Dodger Jano. She does that to me a lot. You guys got to show you this. I got to show you this. And I'll say, Jano, no. I really don't want to see that. No, no, no. I, I, you, you need to see this. Jano, please. Darling, no. No, no, this is so funny. I'm just, just this one, just this one. And there's no way I can stop her. Like, when she gets it in her head that I need to see this. And by the way, you know what it is? Inevitably, it's Snoop. I've said it before. Dodger Jano, because she and Snoop are both from the LBC, she thinks Snoop on Instagram is the funniest thing ever. Like, she cannot get enough. Just, just this one, just this one. 
Darling, no. Please, no. So you're probably thinking, Rome, what's the big deal, man? Just look at the video. Because I'm not into that. Not, it's not even a Snoop thing. It's a internet video thing. I never, ever, ever do that on my own if it's not business related. A lot of Rome family beef today, right? And I'm not one who complains about the family except for today. You know, Dodger's like, it's Snoop Dogg, honey. It's Snoop Dogg, honey. Isn't that funny? Um, kind of, sort of, not really. Certainly not as funny as you think it is. She thinks it's the funniest thing ever. Romeo Void. I got beef. I do not like when my, my wife uses the word my when she should say our, especially when I am standing right freaking there. Yo, darling, I can hear you. For example, she will say, my house. Did you pay the mortgage? Or she'll say, my daughter. Honey, I think I played some role in her creation. Maybe your next husband won't care about your pronoun use. Mick in the 216. Wow. All right, though. I I get that. I get that. Do you know something? I got more Rome family beef, but this came from my parents. I don't know how you were raised up, but here's one thing that my parents did teach me that I feel very strongly about, and I hammered my kids with this early on. My parents hit me between the eyes with this. Don't you ever refer to either one of us as he or she. Don't you refer to your mother as she. And that they hit me with that hard early on. That stuck to me. That might not make sense to you, but that my parents let me know that was extremely disrespectful. Do not refer to your mother as she. Or she said. Don't do that ever. As long as we're talking about pronouns and families and beefs. Now, this got deeply personal, this beef segment, didn't it? Jim, my beef, here we go. My beef is with my wife. We were married during that time when the wedding vows included the words cherish and obey. I'm not sure what cherish involves, but I, but I know what obey means. Dude, I don't even like where this guy's going with this at all. I'm going to run this back from the top because I have not read how this ends. I just want to stop in the middle of it and say, I don't like where this guy's going. My beef is with my wife. We were married during that time when the wedding vows included the words cherish and obey. I'm not sure what cherish involves, but I know what obey means, and she ain't doing it. She claims those were archaic terms, and obey no longer applies. Sorry, honey, but you swore in front of God, the clergy and witnesses, you can't take it back now. Start obeying? Brian in Detroit, dude, if I were you, I would start looking for a divorce attorney. Start obeying. You just told your wife on national radio to start obeying. I'm just glad that we don't have a TV component today. You just told your wife on national radio to, quote, start obeying. Obeying what, dude? Yeah, I know you, but what? What is she not obeying? Jim, my beef is with Philly government wasting Crisco. We need to cook nutrients like cheesesteaks and crab fries. What's next? Imodium in the police horse's chow? 
equine constipation and blowing up your supply chain aren't what's in, yo. Who's running that City Hall bleep show? Playoff Doc Rivers? J.D. and Philly. Incredible. J.D. J.D., that's the closest I've ever given a beaver a golden ticket. We're still rolling. This one says, as I am a mail carrier, I second the dog food beef. Breaking our backs so you don't have to is a reason to go. I hadn't thought of that. Chris in Montana. That's interesting. If it is a 40-pound bag. Of, yeah, but then again, they don't want to drag the 40-pound dog food out either. That's why they have you, Chris. Benton's in. My beef is with Ted in Albany. Dog food delivery beef. My dog is eight and has lost 10 pounds and acts like a puppy since I switched her to fresh food ordered online. You're the idiot, Ted. Abel in the ATX. I'm here to support Ted's beef. We postal workers hate carrying these lazy bastards 80-pound bag of dog food to the third floor of their apartment. War methane. Abel, my dude. Didn't you pull a CJ in the Bay and quit the show? What are you beefing about, dude? Here's my beef, Abel. Like you're sneaking in a beef like nothing happened. You're sneaking in a beef like we don't know that you quit the show. My beef is quitters who don't actually quit. These are all reaction beefs. I love it. Romy, I've got beef with the essential oils beef. There is nothing wrong with believing that magical gobbledy goop can heal you. Regards yin-yang bracelets, healing crystals, and chiropractors. Geoff, get nice. Hey, Geoff, wait for it. You're not going to believe what I'm about to do. Good beef, Jeff. You finally did something worthy of being called Jeff, Geoff, by mixing in that chiropractor crack. Well done, Jeffers. Wells in the 720. My beef is with a loser who doesn't dress up his dog on Halloween. I bet his dog hates him. And my dog would probably beat up his dog. Dude, that takes just fat. Come on, Wells. Why not? Let's try it. Let's go to the phones. It's, it's a nice big beef segment. Why don't we go to Las Vegas? I love it. Brian in Vegas. Good to have you. Brian, what's your beef? So I'm eating at Romier's yesterday in Aria. I got this lady blowing her nose while I'm having my lunch. Hey, lady, you know what? Forget the paper. Blow your nose in my dish. Means that's your salt. Better yet, forget the lunch. Blow your nose in my mouth. I'm starving. <laughs> wow, Brian. Hey, Tom, that was not a good idea. Did Did you have any idea that as we were like just swimming through this brilliant beef segment, that that idiot would call and say that? You had some idea. Did you have any idea that he was going to say, hey, lady, blow your nose in my mouth. I'm starving. Did you have any idea that was coming? one 800 Yeah, I can't walk off on that. 
What else you got? Let's go to Citrus. Ryan in Citrus. Ryan, what's your beef? Hey, Romy, what's going on? Yo. My beef is with Paul's dog. He's a grown man pretending to be another grown man while doing a bad Scooby-Doo impression. That's pretty good, actually. That's not bad. That's not bad. That was not Paul's dog, and that sounded like Paul's dog. I could walk off on that, but why? I'm having so much fun. Let's go to Boulder. Jason in Boulder. Jason, what's your beef? Yeah, my beef is with dog owners who don't control their dogs in the dog parks, and their dogs are a cross between Paul's dog and Alvy. My girl's there just trying to get some run out, not to get humped. That's my beef. I got you. They are dogs, man. They That's what they do, right? You know, like perv. There's some creatures of habit, and there's some creatures of hump. Dogs, pervin. Got to get her in. Margot tries really hard. I got to get her in. She was the first call through. Let's go to Buffalo. Margot. Hello. What is your beef? Let's go Buffalo, Romeo. Hey, my beef is when you're looking for something and the other person in the room says, Hey, wait, really, you left it. Hello, moron. No. Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Ali, she Not didn't really say it. She stopped herself. That was premature on your part. Uh, hard, hardcore Alvin's take is, quote, I saved her from herself, and I should have run her at the very beginning. Why? What did she say at the very beginning? Let's go Beefalo, Romeo. Hey. You're right. You're right. You probably should have run her for that. He just read he just retroactively ran her again. Okay, that's redundant. He retroactively ran her sooner. Good night now.